Hey everyone, this is Fernando Tibaio from the Porsche's metal band Moonspell. Brian Fair from Shadows Fall. Gary Hall from Exodus and recently retired from Slayer. Phil from Violence here. This is Trevor Sternad from the Black Dahlia Murder. This is Christian from Lions at the Gate. Yo, 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 Igor Cavalera here. Hey, this is Charlie with Anthrax. I just want to give a shout out to Pedalton and Metal Radio, the podcast. The podcast to get all your rock and metal news plus reviews. With new episodes dropping every Sunday, make sure you tune in. Keep rocking with Pedal to the Metal. Check it out now. Keep it metal. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another exciting edition of Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. It's your main man here, Eddie Monster. Bouncing back. That's right. We got a great episode for you guys today. Yes, we do. We've got bands you should know. Artists, just a reminder, next week we'll be returning with the unsigned bands of the weeks. But for right now, we're just uh, sorting through all the submissions and stuff. We'll get that going in a week or so. So we'll definitely be bringing that back. Uh, but we got two bands you should know artists. We've got Rock and Metal News. We've got the five minutes or less review. Which uh, we got a good one for you guys today because I'm going to be subjective a little bit and I wish I could go a little more than five minutes, but I'm going to try to keep it under five minutes because I really feel it really theoretically only deserves five minutes, but I'll just put it at that. So, yeah, we're going to be reviewing a documentary that recently came out and I'm all for rock documentaries. Let me tell you something. I'm all for learning something about artists and what they contributed to the metal scene or the rock scene, whatever it may be. But this one, ugh, I don't know, man. This one, I was a little skeptical heading into it for one. Just because of who the artist is, and I respect them dearly, I do. They were uh, a fun chapter in my life uh, at one point. And uh, them being a Boston band and me being a Boston boy. So, yeah, obviously, you know, you kind of hold them a little dear in your heart. And uh, but the subject matter, we'll talk about that when the time comes. But for right now, we're going to get into other stuff. Uh, Obviously, so we got all that going, right? Five minute or less review. Um, As always, if you guys want to follow the show on any of the social media platforms that there are out there, you can do so by clicking on the links in the description below. As always, they are there. And, uh, yeah, you just click on it. And as well, like, listen, all the bands that we play on the show, Their link is also going to be with their name. So you can click on any of the links of the bands and you can follow the bands to whatever format I put. Sometimes I try to do their Bandcamp page more than anything. But if there's not one listed, I will always do their Facebook or Instagram, whatever comes up. Uh, Yeah, so we're trying to do some things here with Pedal to the Metal. We're going to try... I'm trying to settle down and settle things down and get my schedule right to where I need it. Uh, But we're obviously going to be doing uh, Record Store Tales. That is something that is going to be coming soon. 
uh, hopefully, you know. Uh, we're going to try to do more Pedal to the Metal Radio Presents because usually that's a very centric kind of episode where we center on one thing. And uh, obviously trying to bring back Monster House Records Club. I'm definitely going to try to bring that back. Last week I, I spoke about uh, doing something new with the cover for every podcast episode. That's going to be coming in the future. I'm excited. I'm Lining up all the different kind of covers we can do. Um, I'm kind of excited about it. Hopefully you guys will enjoy what I uh, what I put out there. Obviously it's going to be new. And every episode is going to be unique. It's going to have its own unique cover. Which uh, is going to take some work. But you know what? I'm willing to do it. And this is for the podcast. And, and uh, yeah, hopefully, you know. Uh, also, kind of funny... Trying to do this thing with the unsigned band of the week. I'm trying to do fifty bands, fifty states. I've already got a lot of states marked off, obviously. Uh, so we're still on that tour, and hopefully, you know, one day I can say we've got fifty bands from fifty states because there's got to be a scene in every state. It just has to be. You know what I mean? Like every state can't be that dead. When it comes to artists. So we're going to find them. We're going to discover them. We're going to get them on here. I promise you that. We're going to try our best. Uh, just things have changed. I remember five or I think it was ten. I don't remember. I think it was five or ten years ago when I was doing the blog. It seemed a lot easier to find these bands than it is today. Because um, a lot of the sites that I was using have kind of fallen by the wayside. I don't know how else to explain it. It's just kind of weird. Like they just they're doing something else or they're not doing anything entirely or it's now turned into a pop-up page for something that has nothing to do with what it was meant to be in the first place. So it's kind of a little frustrating, you know. Because I remember a lot of times you could look up you know the New Jersey metal scene, or the or the Delaware metal scene, um, but yeah. So I mean, we're trying our best with that. Um, we got a lot of stuff coming up. We're gonna try to get more interviews. Um, obviously, it's been a long time since I've done one. I think season two was the last time I had interviews, and it's season four right now. So obviously, for season five, we're gonna try to do some stuff. I'm still trying to get with. The Milwaukee Metal Fest. I would love to do that. They just announced lots of good artists for this for the 2024 edition of Milwaukee Metal Fest. Obviously, Mr. Bungle being one of the biggest. Like, I love Mr. Bungle. If you don't love just weird avant-garde kind of metal, I don't know. You need a little bit of that in your life, I think. You know, to kind of. Um, Kind of pattern, you know, I don't know how else to say it, but it was cool. And Event Sevenfold even did it. Their last record is a total avant-garde kind of nod to bands like Mr. Bungle and so on and so forth. And I thought that was fucking cool. I know a lot of people did not find the last Event Sevenfold record that good. There was a lot of complaints, but I actually enjoyed that aspect and that element of it. Thought it was great. Thought it was different. Thought it was ballsy. Like, good for you guys. 
You know what I mean? You should do whatever the fuck you want to do. It's your band. You know what I mean? And and do people really want to hear Nightmare Part 2, Part 3, Part 4, Part 5? Or do you want to see a band evolve? I mean, do you really want to see Master of Puppets Part 2, Part 3, Part 4? No. I mean, nobody's complained about Metallica, and I think they've had nothing but mediocre releases for the last 15 years. So I, you know... Or 20 years, I should say. But nobody's complained. And everybody kind of complains at first, but then everybody's on fucking board. Because Metallica is still selling out every fucking place they go. So, I always firmly believe that artists should be allowed to kind of venture their own way. You know what I mean? And, and do what they want to do. I mean, you're an artist. That's what. That's the point. You're, you're creating art. Isn't that what it's always been about? Maybe not. I don't know. But fuck me if I know. Uh, so, yeah. We're going to try to do some stuff here. All right. Let's take a small, quick little break. We're going to get into rock and metal news when we come back. But right now, it's time to check out our first Bands You Should Know artist. And the song that I chose for you guys today comes from a band that is coming off some incredible live shows that they did in support of Judas Priest. That's right, I'm talking about Sweden's Def Rat, who have released a brand new single for you guys to all ingest called Say Your Lies. And according to the frontman, Say Your Lies tells a story about the mysterious phenomenon of sleep paralysis and the malicious entity nightmare that has been documented to haunt people in their sleep worldwide since the early 1300s. In six months' time, I've had three friends tell me about their experiences of waking up in the middle of the night unable to move or speak. They all saw a dark, diffused, shadow-like character in their room. And all felt like if someone was sitting on top of their chest. Now, if that is not a good topic for a hard rock song, then I don't know what is. And I have to agree with them on that one. So without further ado, let's check them out. This is Def Rat. And this is their track, Say Your Lies, right here on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast. Bye. 
is time for Rock and Metal News, presented by Eddie Monster. Yes, Rock and Metal News time for all you guys out there. Now, there was a little bit of a thing about front men, right? And a little aggravating. Do people remember Sammy Hagar did extend an invitation to David Lee Roth. I talked about this, right? You know what I mean? Like, uh, you mean, even talked to uh, Howard Stern and said, oh, it would be a great celebration, this and this and that. And and, uh, he was like, if Alex Van Halen wants to jump up, if David Lee Roth wants to come on and join us, motherfucker, you are welcome. This is about Van Halen. We all heard that. And then we all saw David's response, and he said, hey, I'm ready to go. Let's fucking do this, right? That was David Lee Roth, right? Simple reply. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Now, Sammy Hagar on David Lee Roth's offer, he says he's not invited on tour. He's only invited as a guest. And he said, uh, we're going to invite every musician in every town. If Alex Van Halen wants to jump up, if David Lee Roth wants to come out, you're welcome. This is about Van Halen. But apparently he said he's not invited on the tour. No fucking way. It was to sing a song with us somewhere like a lot of singers, guitarists, etc. are going to do on this tour. I know better than to have him on tour again. Been there, done that. And then he took some shots at Roth about remembering lyrics, saying he can come out and sing a song on a show or two if he can remember the words. So this could only get interesting. Right? Tour starts July 13th in West Palm Beach, Florida, and it ends on August 31st in St. Louis, Missouri. There was also a new story I, I just read about. It was about Ozzy uh, throwing some shade at Geezer Butler. Basically saying that the whole time he's, he's been sick, Giza Butler hasn't reached out once. What a fucking shame. He claimed that uh, Bill Ward even fucking reached out to Ozzy. And even though Ozzy said that he said some pretty nasty shit about Bill Ward, he still reached out. And that you know who your true friends are when you're sick. Well, Giza Butler has since replied saying, dude. I don't have Ozzy's new cell phone number. Like, I can't text him. He goes, I called his office. I got Sharon. And I told Sharon, hey, you know, hopefully everything's okay with Ozzy, whatever, whatever. Um, And then he said he tried contacting them a second time, like months and months and months later. Never got a response, so he kind of left it alone. Like, okay, maybe they're keeping it private. I don't know what it is with front men. I don't know what it is. Uh, Mike Portnoy, on the other hand, uh, basically talked about how he reunited with um, with Dream Theater after 13 years. And this was during a Q&A session at Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp's Metal Mania 3. Um, he said, well, it's been 13 years now, and it's crazy how time flies. But the last couple of years, I guess during the pandemic... Yeah, I reconnected with John Pertucci. 
Once we were in lockdown, all of my bands couldn't tour and Dream Theater couldn't tour. John Petrucci was doing a solo album and he asked me to play on it. And then from there, we decided we wanted to do another Liquid Tension Experiment album, which is with Jordan Rudis. And then shortly after that, John asked me to go on tour with him. So it just seems like we've been kind of reconnecting through the last few years. We've had such a long history, almost 40 years now, together, and our families grew up together. Our wives played in a band together. Our kids grew up together. So honestly, it just felt like it was the right thing in the right time. Our kids literally grew up all together in the top bunks across uh, from each other on the bus. My daughter and John's daughter have lived together in New York for the last four or five years. So yeah, there's so much family history beyond just the music that it just felt like it was the time like the time was right to do it so there you go um they plan on apparently hitting the studio in 2024 with their first album with port noise since 2009's black clouds and silver linings um and they uh asked if there would be you know, any chance of doing a sequel to the 1999 Progressive Metal Masterpiece, Metropolis Part 2, Scenes from a Memory. Uh, Portnoy apparently said that the band doesn't have any specific plans for new material at the moment. That's according to this website. Um, yeah, we haven't talked about it yet, but that would be the obvious thing. But maybe because it's the obvious thing, we wouldn't do it. But you never know. Definitely would be fun to do, but I think, uh, I don't know. We're going to start from scratch and reconnect and just go into the studio and live together. There you go. Uh, members of Queen of the Stone Age, Candlebox, and more unite for a suicide prevention benefit concert. That's right. Josh Holm and a star-studded lineup are going to take the stage for a what is looking like an acoustic benefit concert um, that is supporting the Suicide Awareness Voice of Education save um it's going to be stripped down renditions of some of the big hits from all these artists that is going to happen december 4th at the canyon in agora hills california and apparently some of the people that are going to be joining them is brett scallion you may remember from used to be in fuel kevin martin from uh candlebox orianti billy morrison uh julia lage uh jonathan Mo- mover Jonathan Mover, excuse me, and Richie Cotson. So there you go. You can get your tickets now. All right, let's see. Sepultura is saying don't expect a new album anytime soon. That's right. I guess the guys aren't ready to go back in the studio. But Andreas Kisser in a recent interview with the Everblack podcast said they're focusing more on live albums. We're recording everything. We started in Europe for the whole month. We recorded everything. We went to Indonesia, Singapore, recorded there, now in Australia. So we want to put out 40 songs in 40 different cities around the world covering everything that we did. Of course, the classics, but also the side Bs and Cs and really do a very complete history and also to show where we can go. I mean, Sepultura played in 80 countries in 40 years. And we have fans all around the world. And I think it's about time we have a live album like that to celebrate together with them 40 years and at our best momentum. We feel great on stage. We're playing better than ever. We are enjoying ourselves. So I think it's going to be a very special live album with all the recordings that we are doing right now. It's going to be amazing. 
Apparently, when asked about why there's not going to be a follow-up to 2020's Quadra, he said, no, not at all, man. No new album in a few years. We're very focused on the live album. The celebration's 40 years. We're going to have a lot of stuff connected to that. We created a logo, so we want to stretch. We want to record the live album and celebrate and then see what happens. I don't want to force ourselves to write just to write. It has to feel like we have something new to express. And I feel and we feel in Sepultura that the Quadra album is still very powerful, very strong. All right, there you go. Uh, Suicidal Tendencies is also saying that their new material is going to be different. That's right. Mike Meir uh, on Bobby D Presents talked about it saying, yeah, I think we go about it differently than a lot of people, especially I think when the COVID happened, you realize, as my dad would call it, he called it the panicky people. And you don't do things because you're panicking. You do things because it's something you feel in your heart. And so when that happened, some people said, oh, we're recording all these songs. We're doing this. Ain't got nothing else to do. And I go, that's not what music's about. It's not about you got, a, you got nothing to, better to do. You should have things better. If you don't, then you better spend some time trying to figure out what you need to be doing. But there's a lot of music that we've always recorded that we love that means stuff to us. And then there's stuff you realize like, uh, I go back to the first record. Uh, one of my bef- best friends he said, he goes, man, Mike, listen to radio. You can't do that. What you're doing ain't music. And I go, I don't like what's on the radio, so I don't want to do that. I just want to do my thing, whether people like it or not. And he goes, you don't think people like it? I go, I don't care if people like it. It's what I want to do. And so I think right now we've been recording a lot of stuff and it's completely different and to the point where I go, yeah, people won't like this. So it's probably what I should do. I've always said, man, you're a fucking artist. You know what I mean? Like you should do what you've always wanted to do. Um, And right now, Suicidal Tendencies is currently Dean Pleasance, Ben Weinman, you may remember from the Dillinger Escape Plan. Bassist Ty Trujillo and drummer Grayson Nucrement. Nucrement? If I'm saying that wrong, I apologize 100%. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots guitarist Dean DeLeo is apparently facing DUI charges. That's right. Apparently he was pulled over and busted for DUI sometime back in October. Allegedly he left his house drunk, at which point his wife Jen called the police Informing that, wow, man, to be done over by your wife. Ooh. Uh, apparently, as Dean was being booked, she called the police a second time and said that there was an altercation at their home prior to him leaving the house. So, yeah, I guess he's initially booked on felony domestic violence charges, though, as mentioned. Uh, apparently those have been dropped, but he's still getting a DUI. And Jen has since filed for a divorce over his alleged drunk and abusive behavior. Relationships, man, they can be a bitch. That's all I say. Axel Rose is being sued for an incident that happened in 1989 in a hotel room. That's right, he's being uh, charged with sexual assault from a ex house model named Shelia Kennedy 
Um, apparently, the incident took place in 1989, and the lawsuit was filed back on November 22nd in New York Supreme Court. And according to the lawsuit, this is what the website says, Kennedy claims that Rose violently sexually assaulted in a New York hotel room. Kennedy met Rose at a nightclub with a friend and eventually went back to Rose's hotel room alongside another model and future MTV host, Ricky Rackman. Kennedy then claims that Rose provided his guests with drugs and alcohol and eventually pushed Kennedy against the wall and kissed her. Uh, apparently when she exited the bathroom, Kennedy found Rose attractive and did not mind this encounter. She was open to sleeping with him if things progressed. Later that night, the suit alleges that Rose began having sex with other, with the other model. Kennedy said she was uncomfortable with the situation, adding that Rose was aggressive in a way that appeared painful for the model and that Rose was encouraging group sex. At this point, Kennedy and Rackman left the room. And upon leaving, Kennedy said she heard glass shattering. She also heard Rose screaming at the model, allegedly saying, you're a fucking whore, get the fuck out of here. Rose then stormed down the hallway to Rackman's room and seeing Kennedy pushed her down. While Kennedy was on the ground, Rose grabbed her by the hair and dragged her across the suite back to his bedroom. And then it says that Rose then threw her onto his bed and tied her hands behind her back with a pair of pantyhose. Kennedy lay there on the bed with her hands tied behind her back, bleeding vulnerable and alone with Rose while he was in a sexual volatile rage. Adding that Rose performed unwanted anal sex on Kennedy. Kennedy had just witnessed Rose violently have sex with another woman. He dragged Kennedy to his bedroom like a caveman and acted with uncontrolled fury. Rose had physically stopped her from leaving. Kennedy was trapped. He treated her like property used solely for his sexual pleasure. He did not use a condom. Kennedy did not consent and felt overpowered. She felt she had no escape or exit and was compelled to... I don't know what that means. She believed Rose would physically attack her or worse. If she said no or attempt to push him away, she understood that the safest thing to do was lie in bed and wait for Rose to finish assaulting her. So Kennedy is suing Rose for assault, battery, intentional infliction of emotional distress, and gender-motivated violence. So Rose apparently has not responded to this. The only thing that I'm compelled to ask is... And I, and I hate asking because I don't know. You never know what somebody's going through. Why wait so long? I mean, 1989 and it's 2023. But, you know, whatever. I mean, yeah. Uh, Live Nation and Ticketmaster are once again under scrutiny. The U.S. Senate is demanding answers. Um. Apparently, the Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations has issued a subpoena to Live Nation Entertainment and subsidiary Ticketmaster demanding documents related to ticket pricing fees and resale practices. And uh, according to the subcommittee's chair, Richard Blumenthal, said that Live Nation has egregiously stonewalled by subcommittee's inquiry into its abusive consumer practices, making the subpoena necessary. And apparently it was launched back in March um, following a lot of crap that Ticketmaster took for the way they handled 
concerts for Taylor Swift and Bruce Springsteen. Um, apparently, the the fans, yeah, were met with like insane fees, glitches that were crazy, which made it almost impossible to purchase tickets, which led to you know people paying ridiculous amounts of money just to see Taylor Swift. But despite nearly eight months and extensive efforts to obtain voluntary compliance, Live Nation Ticketmaster has failed to fully comply with PSI's request, including refusing to produce certain documents critical to the subcommittee's inquiry. Furthermore, the subcommittee has identified additional categories of documents necessary to complete its inquiry. As a result, the enclosed subpoena also seeks Records related to Live Nation Ticketmaster's failure to combat artificially inflated demand fueled by bots and multiple high-profile incidences, which resulted in consumers being charged exorbitant ticket prices. That's part of the document that I just read. So good. Ticketmaster should fucking, you know, feel the wrath. What the fuck, man? They gouged the shit out of people when it comes to ticket prices and shit like that. I mean, it's it's got, I don't know about you, but it's gotten ridiculous over the years. I mean, almost like you're paying like triple and triple the amounts of money. Um, all right, last piece of news. Megadeth has named their new guitarist, and it's and it's a guitarist from Winter Sun. That's right, Timu Mantisari of Winter Sun is going to be Megadeth's new guitarist after... Kiko Loreto revealed that his hiatus will now extend into 2024 and he doesn't want to screw up anything that Megadeth has planned. So there you go. Uh, all right. It's time to get into our last Bands and Shido artist. And then when we come back after that, it's going to be our five minutes or less review. And the second artist that I chose, I found very interesting, especially when I saw what the name of their genre was, right? Because, you know, everybody's got metalcore, thrash, black metal, black and death metal, whatever the case may be. I was very intrigued by this band's description because the band that I chose for the second artist is named Displacer, and their genre is the new wave of traditional kung fu Heavy metal. If that does not sound badass to you, then I don't know what the fuck does. Because let me tell you, Displacer seeks to reinvent heavy metal with a new edge, high-intensity performances, and a unique sound that cuts like a katana. Traded in the kung fu halls of Temple Heights, Displacer brings their epic tales to the masses with their signature new wave of traditional kung fu with a samurai edge, with a hint of ninja slop, sake-infused rock and roll, heavy metal sound. That's right, coming all the way from Rochester, New York. It is Displacer. And I'm telling you, you're gonna love this. So let's check out their track, Black Widow, right here on Pedal to the Metal Radio, the podcast.
So for our five minutes or less review, we're here checking out the brand new documentary from Sully Erna called I Stand Alone, which follows the musician's path from the rough streets of Lawrence, Massachusetts, all the way to superstardom in Godsmack. That's right, in his journey. The one thing that I'm going to be kind of critical of is that it doesn't focus a lot on Godsmack. Forget about it. If you're looking for something that has to do entirely with Godsmack, this is not the documentary. Godsmack is a very brief portion that's at the end of the film. So this apparently chronologically follows his career from his beginning days all the way to to the present. And one of the things I just found very uninteresting about this documentary was a lot of the the talk of his relationships and I don't know, man. You know, and even because it was like too embroiled in his relationships. Oh, when Sully started dating Lisa who was a stripper. It was a bad thing because she was bad news and all of these things. And then Lisa ended up screwing up a relationship that came later on. And he remembers when he begged and begged and was calling and calling and trying to get in touch with this girlfriend. And he climbs her balcony, goes into her room. And the thing she says to him is, out of all the time we spent together, the one thing I always wanted to do is just dance. And so we danced until it was over. And then our relationship was over. All because he wanted to fuck around with the stripper named Lisa. There you go. That is the short and just of it. But, I mean, one of the cool things that it does chronicle is when it starts getting into the music, it's a little interesting. I had no idea he had moved to Fayetteville, North Carolina, and that's where he met Shannon Larkin. And him and Shannon had sort of become friends from that point because Shannon, uh, Shannon was in a band called Wrathchild America. And he was intrigued because Shannon was signed, and all Sully wanted was to get signed. And it goes through all the close calls from Malaya Rage to like a bunch of other bands he was in that looked like they were signed or they were signed and then just nothing ever happened. And those were kind of the hit and miss moments for him. I just thought there was not enough on what actually mattered and too much on what didn't matter. Fans don't are not going to give a shit about your relationship with your dad. I mean, that's just a brief little touch-up kind of thing that's something you touch upon a little bit right 
Obviously, there's a moment where he talks about how he almost blew some guy's brains out because they were in some gang, and, and luckily the shotgun wasn't loaded, and if it had been, and he did shoot the guy, obviously we wouldn't have Sully earn it today. Yada, yada, yada. There's just not enough interesting shit because the music was the was the more interesting part. Him meeting these musicians, how he met Paul Gary, who was in Extreme, you know, uh, meeting with Shannon and how he kind of stole Shannon's uh, movements on the drums. That was the stuff that was interesting. Everything else was just kind of whatever. Not uh, pun intended or no pun intended, I should say, with the song, whatever. But, I mean, it even goes on to talk about that and how they made the record and how the thing started selling and so on and so forth. That was the stuff I wanted to hear about, not all this other shit. So taking into consideration whatever you want, check it out if you want. It's on Prime. It's going to cost you uh, as it did to cost me. Uh, but I'm going to give this documentary a C- minus because it seemed like a NBC Dateline documentary more than a behind the music with Motley Crue and that stuff or any documentaries that some of these other bands have come out with like the Rush one that to me is a documentary uh what is it all the stages or whatever it was called uh but yeah so there you go I'm giving it a C minus because it's that bad so check it out if you want five minutes or less boom right there all right I want to thank you guys for tuning into the show as always, I'm your main man, Eddie Monster here, and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed it. We're going to try to have more and more stuff for you guys as time goes on. And uh, we're going to, again, like I said, we're going to try different things. We're going to try to bring back things. We're trying to get everything going. We're trying to get this podcast where it needs to be. So thank you. Thank you very, very much for tuning in week in, week out. I appreciate it so, so much. See you guys next time.